Father, I just thank you so much for the privilege of um, spending time with you in the Word the Sabbath afternoon. And I pray now that your Spirit will descend upon this place. And as we look at uh, this powerful story of one of these followers of yours, may it inspire us and guide us in the way we reach out to people around us. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. It was uh, 2013. Um, and I flew to um, Porto, which is in Portugal, a very beautiful city. Anyone ever been there by chance? Portugal? No one? No? That's okay. Um, and it's, uh, we had a GYC Europe planning meeting close by, about an hour or so away in the mountains in a beautiful health facility. Um, and I had some time before the meeting started, and my friend and I, my friend Samuele, and I, we, we decided, let's do some sightseeing, let's go around the city and check it out, and uh, so we did. We looked at, you know, the, all the buildings, and I love old buildings, uh, and so I always like to touch them and see, you know, oh, you know, I'm touching the past, this thing is a thousand, this cathedral is a thousand years old, or, or whatever it is, I just I think it's kind of cool. Um, and so we, we walked around, and then we, there's this huge bridge across, uh, I think it is a river that goes into the ocean, um, and beautiful, beautiful place. And so we walked over that bridge and went up to another church that was on a hill, and I was told it's a very beautiful church inside, you, you have to check it out. I was like, okay, let's go there. And so we walk up to this church, and as <clears throat> a Catholic church building, and as we walk up, there were these stairs on the side, and you walk up the stairs, and, there, and, and then there was the entrance, big entrance. And so um, <clears throat> we walk up there, and I see uh, a Catholic priest standing there with his cell phone talking to someone in Portuguese. I don't speak Portuguese, so I don't know what he was saying. And then there was uh, a woman standing there and a man holding the woman kind of like this, just kind of holding her together. And the woman looked very bewildered. I was not sure what was going on. I just had a really weird feeling just walking by. But, you know not my issue, so I just walk by and go into the church, doing my tourism thing, and, and I, as I walk through the church building and, and looking at, you know, paintings and statues and glass stained, you know, all this stuff, I just couldn't really enjoy it because I was constantly feeling that something was wrong. Something was terribly wrong. I didn't know what it was. I just, something was going on that I, I had to kind of look at. And so I told some of them, I think there was something wrong with this lady out there. I don't know what it is, but I, I feel like we need to go out, out there again. And so he said, okay. So we walked outside of the building, and we just kind of like walked out and kind of looked over and just kind of walked by. You know, what else are you going to do? This is not your problem. It's not your, you know, who are you? And so we walked off, and, and I wasn't sure what to do. And so we, after maybe um, 100 meters, what is that, 300 feet, uh, we, we just kind of stopped, and I was like, I don't know what to do. Well, let's just pray, I guess. And so we prayed uh, for, for whatever was going on there. And, and then we said, well, let's just go. And as we started to walk, I had a very, very strong impression. Um, where I think the Holy Spirit told me, you have to go back right now. I'm like, oh, this is, I don't know what to do, Lord. What do you want from me? And so, okay, well, Samuel, I think we need to go back. Okay, so we walk back. And so I walk up, and I didn't know what to do. I just walked up again to that entrance, and I, I went to the man who was holding the woman. The Catholic priest was still on his phone. I went to the man, I was like, is everything okay, I said. And he just kind of looked at me and kind of 
just waved me away because he didn't speak English. And he said, basically, his body language was saying, don't get involved, just go away. But I looked at the woman, and it became very clear that, at least my impression was that she was demon-possessed. Because she looked, she looked very, very bewildered. Her eyes were very strange, and she was kind of shaking. And so I didn't know what else to do. I, mean, I said, in English, because I don't speak Portuguese, I said, believe in Jesus, and he can set you free. <laughs> That's all I said. And I was, I was, you know, I wasn't sure what I was doing. But I was like, believe in Jesus, and he can set you free. And when I said Jesus... I think it wasn't her, it was the demon, started screaming. I was like, no, 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 no. Don't talk, you know, like, was just screaming around and cursing and, you know, and, uh, just a terrible situation. But I just continued saying, you know, believe in Christ, he has the power to free you. And, and you know, you can be free of these things. And this went on for a while, and in, it's kind of hard to describe this, but in the moment, I could just feel um, that, the tenseness of the situation and maybe it was the, the supernatural world clashing because I was like, my whole body was shaking and, and it was just a crazy situation. But I was saying, look, I was just trying to, to pray out loud and, and try to reach this woman that is obviously has lost the control over herself. And um, this demon started holding her, her ears so that she cannot hear and, uh, and saying all kinds of things. Meanwhile, a police officer, because this, this caused a huge scene, so all these tourists and people are like, what's going on here? I'm just like, Lord, let no one film this and put this on YouTube. And so this police officer comes, comes up here and, and he ta starts talking to me and kind of wants me to go away. But then the, the Catholic priest walks up to the police officer and tells him, no, what he's doing is fine. So he was defending me, I guess. And so um, I, I continued just praying out loud and saying, you know, you can be free if you trust in Jesus. Just trust in him. And, and then the demon said, you have no authority over me. And that was, a, that was just a crazy moment, a scary moment. I'm going to continue the story later. Let's go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. The Bible says here, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds, verse 6, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did, for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Verse 8. So there was much joy in that city. Who was Philip? Philip is first introduced to us actually in chapter 6 of the book of Acts. He was one of the seven deacons. We all remember Stephen. We don't always think of the other ones. But he was one of those seven men filled with the Holy Spirit, who were chosen to serve as deacons to the early church. And, you know, deacons back then, today we often think just, they just take care of the pews or, 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 or you know, the church building. And that's, that's a wonderful thing. But if you look at the church manual, by the way, that's the last point in the church manual that deacons are supposed to do. First thing is to be ministers to uh, the members. So Philip was a powerful, um, Holy Spirit-filled man. And he was part of those Christians that were persecuted and scattered 
And he was not scared, as we learned this morning, to continue preaching the word. What I love about Philip is the fact that he was not an apostle, that he was not a VIP, so to say, that he was not a pastor, an elder. He was, quote, just a deacon. But he was a powerful man of God. And so he went in Holy Spirit power down to Samaria to proclaim Christ. I believe the story of Philip should inspire all of us today, not only to pray for a daily baptism of the Holy Spirit, but to go and collaborate with God in missions. Amen? To do the works of Christ. The reality is that we will not experience God unless we step out in faith. We can sit and pray for God to show up and do something. But unless we go and do something, He's not going to be able to use you to perform miracles. As we've learned this morning, accepting our prophetic identity and God's love in our hearts will inevitably and naturally lead to engaging in God's mission. And that is exactly what happened with Philip. The book of Education by Ellen White, uh, page 262, tells us that the heaven-appointed purpose of giving the gospel to the world in this generation is the noblest aim, the noblest that can appeal to any human being. It opens a field of effort to everyone whose heart Christ has touched. Philip knew this. The apostles knew it. And I hope that you are seeing it as well. The whole purpose of life, the most noble goal, the highest calling, is spreading Jesus. With, to the world and trying to do it in this generation. If your heart has been touched by Christ and His love, then you have a mission to share what you've experienced with others. I believe that when we have that encounter with Christ, we really cannot but share. We cannot but share the love that He gives us and the transformative power that he provides to give us strength to overcome and just the joy that comes with knowing Jesus. God calls us to be compelled by the love of Jesus, filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then going out into the world, starting with our neighborhoods. Now, Philip listened to the prophetic instruction that he was given in Acts chapter 1, if you remember Jesus. He's saying, you know, go to Jerusalem, go to Samaria, go to the ends of the earth in the power of the Holy Spirit, sharing the good news message. But let's take a quick look at the content of Philip's preaching. Let's look at verse 5 again. What does it say that he was preaching? He proclaimed Christ. He proclaimed Jesus Christ, and that is where it's at. You know, we're here in 2019. We know from the spirit of prophecy that we could have been in heaven a long time ago. In 1888, the church did not fully take hold of the message of righteousness by faith, the message that can transform your life to become a channel of God's glory, the message that would have wrapped things up on this planet and brought in the latter rain. And we're still waiting for that latter rain. I believe that we have a calling to share Christ with this world. 
and we have a responsibility to do it very soon. When we come in the name of Christ, filled with Christ, proclaiming Christ, all falsehood, all darkness, and all demons, and all sins, and all delusions, and temptations will flee. When Christ comes into your life, light is coming. When you share Christ, you're sharing light, and darkness will disappear. Philip came in such manner, and verse 7 was the reaction. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Jesus came, uh, Philip came in the power of Jesus, and this town, Samaria, was not left the way it used to be. So as I was standing there in Porto, in front of this lady who was demon-possessed, pleading with her or, or trying to, to reach her, because really when, she, when you're demon-possessed, you lose control over yourself and you're kind of trapped inside of your body and the demon has control over you. But when you pray and intercede, God can open a channel for that person to make a decision to say, I want, I want to be free. So as the demon said, you have no authority over me, I said, that is true, but Jesus does. And so it continued on and and Samuela and my friend and I, we, we just kind of started praying together and, and just praying for minutes and minutes, interceding for this woman that Jesus will somehow break through the darkness in her life. And so we prayed, and after two or three minutes, suddenly there was like a, like a, a release of tension. I don't know how to describe it, but you could just feel it. And, and the demon had left her. And she kind of collapsed and was really weak and... and and they kind of carried her, and they, they, they started carrying her into the church. And she, as she carried, you know, as she was walking in there, she turned around and looked at me, and she kind of like nodded as to say, you know, th- thank you, or some kind of sign of appreciation. And I'm not telling you to, the story to say, oh, like, oh, yeah, I have the power to do any of these things. I've never experienced this afterwards or before ever. Um, I'm... I was just there, and the Holy Spirit told us to pray for this woman. But what I learned in that moment was that God has the power to dispel darkness in the lives of other people. And as we make ourselves available to Him, interceding for others, He will connect us with people who need that light. And that power that we see in the book of Acts is still there today. God has so many ways to work to help people. I love what it says here in verse 8. As a result of all of this, what happened in the city? There was much joy, great joy. This was the joy of salvation, friends. There is no greater joy in life than seeing a soul saved. As a pastor, I've had the privilege many times to, to, to work with people and give them Bible studies and just see how they're, how they're getting to know Christ and falling in love with Him and then making that decision to surrender their lives to Him. There is nothing as wonderful as the joy of salvation, not only for you, but for, of course, for the person. We all have been in that moment where we give our hearts to Jesus and the joy fills our hearts, His presence. No vacation, no paycheck, no sports team, no gadget can bring fulfillment and joy like soul winning does. This joy is all of our privilege to have. It's the most blessed work. I want to to really say here that I believe that 
soul winning can be done not only through public evangelism. We love it as a church, and I'm, I'm in total favor of public evangelism. Wonderful work. But you don't have to be a Doug Batchelor or a Mark Finley or a Sean Boonstraw. You don't have to be a pastor to win souls. You have the ability to be a channel of God's grace to this world. Philip was a normal guy, but he was willing to be used by the Lord. Preaching Christ, living Christ out to the world. When you live life intentionally and treat people with genuine kindness, not expecting anything in return, but just genuinely loving people, you will be building relationships that turn into fellowship and into friendships, and you'll be laying a powerful path for having a positive influence into somebody's life. And when the time is right, the Holy Spirit will give you a moment, an opportunity to share with that person. But friendships take more work. We, we, we like the public meetings. We like the preaching because it's easy. Writing a sermon is easy compared to having a, a friendship and investing time in another person. But that's where it's at. In the kingdom of God, in heaven, we're not going to be preaching all the time. We're going to have friendships and fellowships. And that will increase throughout eternity. But this is where it's at. And I just want to encourage you to, to look for people around you that you can connect with that way. But back to Philip, this man who was driven by a higher loyalty. I want to look at a couple more lessons from his life. Let's jump down to verse 26. This is a powerful story and the core of our message today. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. When God makes a certain path clear to you, it is our duty to obey and go. Amen? Even if it means that you have to go into a desert place. Let me actually back up here. The fact that an angel, and later the Holy Spirit, is talking to Philip, that tells you something, doesn't it? That tells you that Philip, that God knows that Philip is able to listen God knows that Philip is willing to listen and is tuned in to the frequency of heaven. God will work with every one of us when we tune into that frequency, when we are, have open ears, not just on Sabbath morning or afternoon. And God is willing to use us. So the lesson we learn here from Philip, just from this verse, is that if we want a powerful experience with God, we have to be willing to listen, and we have to be willing to let God interrupt our agendas. Are people in Loma Linda busy? Nah, you're in California. California lifestyle is easy, right? I'm just kidding. I know you guys are busy. I know you have 30, 40 hour shifts and all those crazy things. But God wants to interrupt our agendas. And when we let him, that's when we experience the miracles. Let's continue here. We see here the angel speaking, go towards the south into a desert place. Very few people want to go into a desert place. I mean, unless there's an Airbnb with a nice pool, I don't need to be in the desert. It's an uncomfortable, unreasonable, life-threatening place. But when God calls you somewhere, friends, he will empower and lead you too. So have no fear. Trust that a call from God, even into a desert place, has a purpose, as we're going to see. Verse 27. 
And he rose and went, obedience. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, verse 28, and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said, verse 29, to Philip, go over and join this chariot. This is a very interesting situation. When you make yourself available to God to be used by Him, when you commune with Him in prayer, in a prayerful attitude, constantly, connect with, constantly connecting with Jesus, when you learn to hear His voice, He will, and I guarantee you this, He will direct you to other people. People who God has prepared, maybe for years, to meet you. Because the reality is, all of us, through our individuality, can reach certain people that others cannot. God can reach some people that Mark Finley cannot reach through you. Okay? I cannot reach everyone here. That's totally fine. That's why you have guest speakers every week, so that everyone gets reached. You know what I'm saying? There's, your individuality is perfect for some person who is seeking Christ. But God cannot lead you to the person if you're not listening and tuned in to his frequency. So let's make ourselves available and ask God to direct us. We in our human thinking, we love to plan and execute our plans, and that's fine. But too often we plan our days, our lives, even our mission activities. And we expect God's blessings, not realizing that many times our efforts are at best Missed high fives. You know what a missed high five is? You're like, hey. That's a missed high five. It's like almost, but not quite. And it gets really awkward, right? You're like, oh, oh, no. Mm. God wants us to have really good high fives. He wants us to connect with people that he has prepared. But he needs us to be willing to tune into his frequency. Jesus loves giving us divine appointments. I've had so many of those in my life. I'm sure many of you have as well. And it's amazing how God puts these things together. For example, I was in a train. In Europe, we ride the train a lot. Um, we have a great train system. You don't need a car if you live in Europe. Um, I was riding a train and... It was, very, it was in the morning, so all the commuters were in the train. It was very full, and I was just sitting there, and, you know, it's kind of awkward. No one really talks when it's really packed, kind of like in the elevator, uh, or, or people have their, you know, their headphones on or whatever. But I was sitting there, and then there was this lady sitting in front of me, and I'm trying to remember. I don't remember what it was exactly, but she read a book, and it was some kind of spiritual-ish book, okay? It was not Christian, though. And uh, I, at that time, I made the habit... Um, to pray every day to ask God to give me divine appointments. So I went through the day just looking, okay, God, where is it? Who is it going to be this time? And so <clears throat> when I saw that, I was like, oh, I think this is it. And so I engaged in a conversation with her, and it turned out that she, her, she lost her son just recently. She was a y younger, younger woman. And she was devastated. And so she's just like, what? What's happening? Like, is he alive? Is he somewhere? What happens when we die? This was a woman looking for answers. And I only had a few minutes, but I was able to share with her, you know, our truth and the gospel. Just a brief encounter. Never saw her again afterwards. 
but it was a blessing to, to be able to be used by God in that moment. And uh, I believe I gave her some kind of track or book. I usually have something with me. Another time, again, a train story. Um, I was riding a train to Hungary uh, to speak at a conference there. And <clears throat> I was uh, a theology student at the time. And so I was in the train. I, I got in, it was in the evening. I got into one of those, uh, what do you call it, like a wagon? You know, one of the compartments of the train. What's that? Car? Yeah, that's what you call it. Okay. Uh, and I got into the train, and it was completely empty. I was like, great. I have a paper to write. I'm going to sit down, work on my computer, and just you know, get this done. I have like four hours from Vienna to, to uh, Budapest. And so I'm sitting there working on my thing. And then, uh, I don't know, somewhere in between, maybe two hours out of Budapest, the, the, the door opens, and uh, an older lady walks in, maybe, maybe in her 60s. And she walks in, and, and she had the entire empty car available. And you know where this is going. Do you know where she sat down? Right next to me. She didn't talk to me or anything. It was just like, sits right there. I'm like, okay. All right. And uh, I'm still working on my theological paper. Um, and, and then she takes her computer out and opens it. And I'm just like, you know, like kind of peeking over. I'm, I'm a little peeker. And so I'm looking, okay, what, you know, what, are, you, what are you working on? Uh, well, I didn't say anything. I just looked. And I couldn't believe what I saw. Maybe this is more common in the U.S. because there's more Christian or more, you know, actual Bible-believing Christians in the U.S. and so on. But this woman was working on a theological paper. This does not happen, okay? You don't meet people like that in Europe. This is so random. And she didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, I couldn't believe that what I saw. I think she was working on a paper on, I don't know, Joel or something, Old Testament. Like, this is so... So all the, uh, the divine appointment alarm bells go off in my mind. I'm like, okay, Lord, all right, what do you want me to do now? So I just <clears throat> kind of like looked over and like, it looks like we're in the same kind of work field, you know? I'm, I'm working on a theological paper. Sorry, I saw your screen. <laughs> She's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And turn out she was a theology professor at some, I think, Lutheran uh, seminary in Budapest. I'm like, wow, okay, this is cool. You know, here I am, the little theology student, and, and here she is, the professor, and <clears throat> this just doesn't happen. So it was just so obviously a, a divine appointment. And so we started talking, talking, and long story short, we arrived in Budapest, and I was like, i got to give her something. And I, I knew I had this great controversy in my bag, and I'm like, I'm just going to do this. Like, well, I, I, I want to give you this book, you know, it's a really great book. <laughs> and trying to, you know, do, the, do my little canvas, and she's like, no, it's okay, I'm, I'm all right, you know, I'm, I don't really, uh, it's fine, you know, I understand. And I was like, no, it's, it's a really good book. And that kind of like, you know, the technique, you just kind of hold it there. And she, all right, she, she took it. And she looked at it. And she's like, oh, Ellen G. White. I think we have some of her books in our library. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> well, it's a great author. And then she, but she still didn't want it. And then she kind of flipped through the book. And I believe the Lord did this. It stopped right there. I don't know, was it chapter 40 or something? And said, Martin Luther. And so she's like, oh, Luther. I'm like, yes, Luther. Lots of stories about Luther. <laughs> and, she, and she's like, well, maybe, maybe I'll take it. I'm like, yeah, yeah you will love it, you know, because she's a Luther. I was like, all right, all right, well, God bless you. And it was just so thrilling to, to have that experience, but it was obviously a divine appointment. The Lord connects us with these people. And so as we look at the story here in Acts chapter 8, in verse 29, I love how it says there, the Spirit talking to Philip and says, 
go over and join this chariot. Maybe your translation says, go near. Come close. You know, the gospel is all about relationships. Connections between God and humanity and between us individually. Love God and love others. God's kingdom is a great web of love. He just wants to connect us with each other and to heal us in the process. But we have to come close. We live now in the most digitally connected time of all, of all, the, of all the history of the earth. But we're still so disconnected. How many friends do we have? Real friends. How close are we with people, especially those who need Jesus? Go near, come close, the Spirit says, still today to us. We need to be willing to leave the Adventist bubbles. Our safe spaces, our safe places that we create for ourselves. We need relationships and personal connections with the people that Jesus desires to reach. As I said earlier, I do support public evangelism. Absolutely, we need it. But what excites me even more is the potential power of genuine, caring, intentional, one-on-one -on -one connections and friendships with people who have not experienced the grace and love and hope of Jesus yet. There's such a beautiful change in people's lives when we befriend them, and we befriend them without trying to get anything from them, just loving them. People in this world don't know what that feels like. We're so used to it because we're all Christians and we take care of each other and we love each other and we support each other and we donate towards each other's fundraisers and mission trips and all the things, and that's all wonderful. But people in the world live in a cold, selfish world. They're desperate for connection. They're desperate for love. They're desperate, they don't know it, but they need, they're desperate for Jesus. And Jesus wants us to show them who he is. You know, Jesus' great commission, sending us into all the world, he did that, yes. But he's not sending us into all the world so that we can travel and take nice pictures. He's sending us into all the world to all the people to get close to lost human beings. It's in relationships and in friendships, in personal connection that hearts are touched. And consequently, they're softened to hear and potentially receive the gospel. Alan White says in Ministry of Healing 156, I love this quote, to reach the people wherever they are and whatever their position or condition and to help them in every way possible, this is true ministry. By such effort, you may win hearts and open a door of access to perishing souls to reach people wherever they are, whatever their position and condition, and to help them in every way possible. That's what God did to us. And he, we, in turn, do it to others. Verse 30. So the Spirit tells him, go near, come close to this person. Verse 30. So Philip ran to him. I love that he ran. Philip is not wasting any time. He's like, the angel tells him, go there, all right, I'm going. Go close, all right, I'm going. running close. He is a man of action and a man of obedience. And he's like, all right, Lord, what's next? What's next? I'm just going to do this. 
And he doesn't know what's going to happen. Here's the thing. Like, we, we think, okay, as we plan our missions, we plan our, our, the things that we do, we think of all from A to Z, right? We, we want to know exactly what's going to happen and how we're going to do it and how we're funding this and how we're going to make sure that this is a success. But he has no idea what's going to happen. He's just listening step by step. Because probably if God would have told him in the beginning what he was supposed to do, that he was supposed to meet, you know, one of the highest officials of the Ethiopian empire, he would have been like, no way, Lord. God reveals to us just step by step. And in the process, we learn to trust him more. So he's running towards this, uh, <clears throat> uh, this chariot. He's not questioning the commandment or shy about it. He isn't, he isn't even scared of the possible awkwardness, like this random guy running up to this chariot. It's, it can be awkward, right? As I told you the story in Porto, like, it, it felt a little awkward going up to this person. I didn't know anybody. By the way, I forgot to mention after this whole thing happened, the police officer who was trying to stop us f further, he, he saw this whole thing. And he was like, just shocked at what he has seen. And then he came up to us and he was like, if you need anything, let me know. Over there is our office, like our police station, anything. We will support you. The Lord, the Lord provides. And we don't, have to, we don't have to worry about anything. When he calls us to do something, no matter how awkward or weird it is, do it. Run to the chariot, like Philip did. So he runs because he knows every moment counts. In fact, hesitating to listen to God's voice can lead to painful experiences and lost opportunities that might never come back. Verse 30 again, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, verse 34, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? This Ethiopian eunuch, this uh, treasurer of the Ethiopian empire, he was a Bible student. He had some scrolls, but he had troubles understanding scriptures. And that, my friends, is why God directed Philip to him. Because true seekers, God will not leave alone. And those people are all around us. They might have different issues and different opinions, and they might be a flat earther. No offense if you're a flat earther. They might have different ways of doing things, but truth seekers are everywhere, and God wants to connect with them. So he says, how can I understand unless someone guides me? What is Isaiah talking about? Once God connects you with an individual, you have to be ready for questions. You want to hear another story? Okay. So I was in Switzerland um, canvassing. And how many of you have canvassed before? Praise the Lord. Yay. All right. If you haven't, you should do it. It's the worst thing you can do in life, but it's also the most blessed thing you can do in life. So I was going door to door, canvassing, and <clears throat> in, in these little villages in Switzerland, a beautiful place, and 
I had my little cart and was going alone. We do canvassing a little different in, in Europe than they have over here. They have all these vans and leaders and there's always encouragement and stuff. Like you're on your own when you go canvassing in Europe. And so we go and I go and um, <clears throat> there's many canvassing stories I could tell you, but this one is particularly interesting. Again, it relates to this uh, divine appointment kind of thing that's going on here with Philip. And so I remember going down the street and every door, rejection, rejection, rejection. Those of you who are canvassers, you know what I'm talking about. And then <clears throat> I remember coming to this house and it had um, maybe two or three levels. And uh, those, each level was its own kind of apartment. And so I saw this lady, I think she was on the second floor, uh, and she was outside on her, on her like a um, balcony. And that's a bad thing because, you, you know, they can just send you away from there. You want to reach them at the door. So, but I had no choice. I was like, hey, you know, hi, I'm this so-and-so, and I have these books. And, and, she's, and I was like, oh, she's just going to send me away. She's like, oh, okay, well, I'll come down. And then I came to her door, and she invited me in, actually. And she said, come in. And long story short, we were, she, you know, I presented her the books and, you know, we started with the health books and then she was more interested and was like, oh, we also have these other books and I went into the great controversy and some of the other spiritual books that we, that we sell. And she just started like asking me question after question about, about God and the great controversy and why they're suffering and all these questions that people have. And for three hours I was sitting there and just share with her what I know and the answers that I could give her. And we, we had long, you know, long forgotten even trying to sell anything. And, and she actually didn't buy anything. But, she, uh, but I think I left her with some books. But anyways, we, we talked. And, and it was a good conversation. And God obviously connected us. And then as I was leaving, I, I come to the door and I'm like, all right, you know, God bless you. And I think I gave her some information about the local church. And she's like, you know, Jonathan, I didn't tell you this earlier, but Two days ago, I was praying that God will send me someone to answer my questions. And now you're here. I'm like, what? You know, I didn't know in the process that God was actually going to use me to answer that prayer. But this divine appointment took place there. And it was just an, a powerful moment. And it has nothing to do with me. It was just the fact that, you know, when we make ourselves available, God can connect us with truth seekers. And so, we're told by the spirit of prophecy that there are hundreds and thousands of people out there. She's, how does she say it? Wistfully looking to heaven. Hoping that someone will come and share with them the truth. And give them answers. People are desperate for answers. They're desperate for hope. They're trying to understand why their hearts are not fulfilled. And they're looking for purpose, connection, and love. And we have that message of hope, friends. We have that message of healing. And we have the Holy Spirit's presence. And we have the Holy Spirit's power. Which means we have a responsibility. Our prophetic identity is a prophetic calling. Let's move on. Verse 35. What did Philip share? He's asking here about this prophet Isaiah and trying to understand the message that he's reading. Verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. I just love that. The good news about Jesus. 
Everything about Jesus is good news. Amen? Amen? To know him is to love him. And when you love him, as we talked about earlier this morning, then you cannot but share him. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't even stand here today, and probably none of you would be here if not somebody who loved Jesus would have shared him with you. There's a real need to flesh out the Adventist message, though, with the love of Christ. I don't know how, about, how it is for you. Maybe not here, but like I've heard so many sermons and so many presentations of spiritual truth. They were dry and dry and not much of Jesus in there. We need more of Christ. It's one thing to share the facts and the logic of our beliefs. But unless they are presented as to how they relate to Jesus being your personal Savior who can give you power and victory and joy and hope and fulfillment and healing, unless we fill our doctrines with Jesus, we are very quickly giving Christianity a dusty feel. Because in reality, all of our beliefs, all of our doctrines, when presented in Christ, they portray Him as a personable, beautiful friend and Savior. Philip here shared Jesus. He shared the good news about Jesus. Is this what people hear when they meet you? I love the... I'm studying with my, my small group that we have every Friday in our home. We're studying the book of Galatians. In the first, I think, three or four verses of Galatians, we spend a whole, whole session just studying that. Paul greets the Galatians with the gospel of Jesus. He lays out the entire gospel message right there and there in his greeting. And our takeaway thought from that, from that study was, like, when people meet us, do they meet the gospel? Do they, do they have an encounter with Jesus? Is our greeting a gospel message? How do we connect with people? Philip gave him a Bible study and he showed him Christ all over the word. Christ in all truth. Christ in all the doctrines. This is what people need, friends. As we finish the story, verse 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? That's the best question a pastor wants ever to hear. Hey, there's, a, there's baptistry. What's, what's hindering me? Philip didn't have to say it. He didn't have to make an appeal. It just became very clear, like, obviously, I need to be baptized. This good news about Jesus, I want that. What prevents me from being baptized? The 38. And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. When somebody hears the good news about Jesus from a person who has experienced Jesus, who loves Jesus, and who is filled with his spirit, then it will lead them naturally to make that decision. The Ethiopian official made a decision there and then and was baptized. And praise God for that. This is so powerful, friends. God's plan for you might involve a desert road, dry and deadly. But by His guidance, it will lead to the refreshing, reviving waters of life. Don't you want to do stuff like this? 
I know there's a lot of cool things to do out there in the world. And that's fine. You can hike and you can, I don't know, skydive. You can do virtual reality things and you can travel and you can experience incredible things. And that's wonderful. But this kind of life, guided by the Spirit, doing the works that Jesus wants you to do, things that have meaning and purpose, that are, have eternal value, isn't this what we're called to do? Isn't this what you want to do? I believe it is. Otherwise, Hollywood wouldn't make billions on superhero movies. Everyone wants to be special and do something incredible that is beyond themselves. But Jesus called, doesn't call us to be that kind of superhero. He's the superhero who wants to work through you and me and gives us the privilege to engage in that kind of work. Friends, I want to encourage you to collaborate personally with Jesus Christ. Living a life of service, a life of intentionality, a life that is spirit-filled and guided, a life that is focused on God's mission. A work that leads people to salvation. Every day God is willing to give you an opportunity to meet an Ethiopian on a dusty desert road. Today it might be that friend that you haven't talked to in a while. Tomorrow it might be that girl across the room at Chipotle. Next week it might be your neighbor. And what happened next? Verse 39. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. If this isn't the coolest exit ever, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Whoosh, plunge, whoosh, gone. Step aside, Star Trek. Holy Spirit teleportation services is here. Friends, there is adventure and joy and purpose and excitement when you work with God. I haven't experienced this yet. Although I really hope it will happen one day. But it doesn't matter. We're not in it for the perks. But there's such joy to collaborate with God. And, and He gives you an adventure that you can never produce. When you let Jesus live out His life within you, when you listen to His Spirit and follow His guidance, you can expect amazing Miracles. Do we have time for one more story? Or, okay, okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> this last August, um, I was in Iceland, and I led a mission trip to Iceland. And let me back up a little bit. I'm the vice president of missions for GYC, and over the last couple of years, God has put on our heart to, to, to do a mission not in a country where we typically know that there will be results. Does that make sense? Nothing wrong with that. We've we got to go everywhere. But everywhere includes Iceland. It includes secular places that are hard to reach, apparently, and places where um, people don't feel a need for God. And so we said, all right, Iceland is one of the most secular countries in the world. It is um, very wealthy, um, and it's right in between North America and Europe. And so it's just this strategic kind of island that needs Jesus. And so we were thinking about how can we do this? What should we do? 
what, you know, should we go and do public meetings? Should we, should we go, like, should we knock on every door? What, what do we do in Iceland? And this was not an easy thing because God had put on our hearts, uh, some of you might be following GYC or have been, you might know that God has over the last couple of years really put the topic of prayer on our hearts. We have a prayer room at GYC that God has just been doing incredible miracles there. Thousands of young people come together to pray. And so we were inspired. We said, Lord, well, we believe that God puts in our hearts to just go and pray. No plans, no, no, no elaborate plans. Just listen to the Spirit and risk the reality that you might have no results and risk the reality that this could just potentially go completely wrong, ruin the reputation of GYC, and just be a waste of money for all the missionaries. Because all you're doing is praying. Just prayer. But God put it in our heart, and we're like, you know what? If this bombs, then at least we go with a bang. I don't know if that makes sense, sorry. So... We, we decided to do this, and I, I, I'm going to cut it short because it's a long story, but the Lord blessed, despite a lot of challenges in the preparation, uh, we had 50 young people from the entire world, from every continent. We couldn't have planned this. They, they came and came to Iceland, and we decided we will go and to the capital region of Iceland where 75% of the country lives, and we will go and just prayer walk the city and pray with people. That's it. Most secular place where people don't believe in God, where people have everything they need, and we're going to pray. Because this is a spiritual warfare. I mean, when you think about it, prayer really is the most powerful thing you can do. Because you're letting God work. But from a human perspective, there was definitely a, a tension in our hearts. Like, I mean, is, what is God going to do? Like, can we, what are we going to do? Like, just pray? You, you just, you, you want to do something, right? You just have this feeling. You've you got to do something more tangible. And so we decided, and this is not because we wanted to do more tangible, we wanted to make uh, it possible to have some kind of follow-up if we do have experiences. And so we trusted that God will guide us, and so we printed some glow tracks in Icelandic, one on prayer, and, and we had four, but we, we gave everyone that we met, that we interacted with, a glow track on prayer and a glow track on health uh, or something else. And so we had teams walking around the entire uh, capital region of, of Reykjavik, um, all they did was prayer walk and intercede for the other missionaries that were um, uh, sent out in the different regions where people lived. And uh, they were prayer walking and also going through the city praying and, and identifying satanic strongholds all over the city that we can continue to intercede for. And then the other teams that were going from door to door and knocking on doors and just offering prayer. They would say, hey, we are, you know, my name is Jonathan and I'm here with, we call it the project Glow Iceland. And... Uh, we said, you know, we're here to, uh, to share, you know, we believe that God hears prayers, answers prayers, and is there anything we can pray for in your life? That was a very simple thing we said. And we thought, because I'm from Europe, I know how it is there, I thought we're just going to rejection, rejection. But God did incredible things for us. He opened doors and connected us with people who were seriously hurting, people who had, who, who had so much pain in their life, depression, issues. And to them, the presence of some random uh, person from the U.S. or from the Philippines or from Australia, from wherever they came, was just, it blew their mind. Why would you come to Iceland? Because most people come to Iceland to see the incredible country. It's a beautiful country. But we came to pray and they're like, why, you would come here to pray? We showed them that we cared, that we loved, 
And then we prayed for them. And there were so many powerful experiences. One, for example, I went to this one door and I, I did my little spiel and, and the lady said, yes, please pray for my son. He's been struggling with alcohol for 20 years and uh, he can't overcome. He's tried everything and yeah, I have all these issues. And so she like, we held hands, we prayed, she hugged me. Her tears were streaming down her face. She's like, you know, you're a gift from God. I can't believe that this happened. And this happened multiple times. People were so touched, not so much by what we said, but by our presence. And I believe the Holy Spirit was touching their hearts. Because here's the thing. There were people we were praying with for, you would think, kind of funny things. You know, like this one 20-year-old guy, young guy. He's, a, I think, an airport technician, something with airplanes. And, and he said, well, I had my wisdom teeth removed. Can you pray for that? I'm like, sure, let's pray. And so we prayed together. And afterwards... He was so visibly touched, he didn't know what to say. He had never in his life uh, had an experience like this, never prayed before, barely knew what that meant. There were young people that I talked to, a 13-year-old, he was depressed, and, and he said, I have depression. And, but when I asked him, can I pray with you, he said, what is prayer? When we pray with people, we are connecting them with God. They need to hear about the Sabbath, they need to hear about the sanctuary, they need to hear about all these messages, but first they need a connection with Jesus. And so we had all these encounters with them. And I mean, so many stories. One of our missionaries met the Freemason leader of Iceland, one of the Freemason leaders. And he said, yes, please pray for my 3,000 Freemason on this country. So we did. <laughs> we even went to the president's home. It's uh, not like here where you can't even get close to the White House. They have a White House too there, very, very nice. And we, we knocked on his door, two missionaries and me, and he wasn't home. But his assistant was there. And we gave him the glow tracks, we told him what we're doing, and we prayed, we prayed for them. So God, God wants to use us. When we make ourselves available, he will connect us with all these people that are, whether they know it or not, looking for something. And it works, even in the most secular places. God is at work, people are seeking, and we're all human beings who need to be filled with healing and love of Jesus. So after this amazing experience, what did Philip do? Verse 30, verse 40. But Philip found himself, after his teleportation Star Trek experience, found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, what did he do? He preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. After bringing lights Love, truth, and power, and the power of God to Samaria earlier, and through the Ethiopian to the entire continent of Africa. He simply continued, step by step. Philip didn't even know the result of all his work, but he continued doing what God called him to do. How could he not? He didn't sign up for a one-time, three-week mission trip. Nothing wrong with us, by the way, you have to... Sign up, right, by tomorrow if you want to be part of that Adam Tobe mission trip. Nothing wrong with mission trips. I organize them. It's a blessing. But sign up for a lifetime of mission. That's what we're called to do. Philip was driven by a higher loyalty. A loyalty of love for Jesus and grounded in his prophetic identity. Friend, as a remnant believer today, 
you have that same prophetic identity. Jesus still desires a deep and personal love relationship with you. Why not give God complete access to your life? To all of your agenda items? To every one of your calendar days? Why not let the Holy Spirit guide you into divine appointments? Maybe every day. Empowering you as you follow the heaven-appointed purpose. The highest and most noble aim of bringing the gospel to the entire world in this generation. Starting with your sphere of influence here. Why not start to risk building friendships with people outside of our bubble? God will lead you if you let him. I promise you this. He will use you to literally change the world for him, just like through this one interaction the gospel went to Africa. He can and will use you to share the good news with the world, starting with your neighbors, with friends, and with people you meet. Brothers and sisters, God needs more Phillips, and I'm speaking to myself here. Men and women who will behold Jesus and love and know him. People who are simply willing to be used by God, to be filled with his spirit, who make themselves available wherever he sends them at whatever cost necessary, even if it's the desert. People who make Jesus' mission their life. Who are driven by a loyalty of love and their prophetic identity in Christ. He desires to reach an entire world with us in this generation. All he needs is our willingness to go and let him do all this through you and me. I told you a lot of stories of my life and I don't want you to think that I'm anything special because I really am not. God wants to use us just if we make ourselves available. And I'll be honest with you, I'm so busy in my own life that I've had very little time to have divine appointments outside of the Adventist bubble. I work in the GC building and I'm in there, you know, 11, 12 hours a day and I just want to go home and sleep and then repeat the next day. But the Lord has spoken to me as well again, like, Lord, Jonathan, you have to get out of your bubble. So my wife and I decided we're going to knock on every one of our neighbor's doors and introduce ourselves. We're not telling them anything yet. You know, we're just connecting and trying to build friendships. So I just encourage you. I know most of your neighbors are Adventists here, but there is someone out there, and he might be an Adventist. There's nothing wrong with helping an Adventist. But make yourself available. So if it's your desire tonight to make a decision in that direction, to, to go to the ends of the earth, starting with your street, living and sharing the good news about Jesus in actions and, if necessary, in words, if it's your desire to work as Jesus worked, as Philip worked, coming close to people, letting God perform miracles through you, and to earnestly strive to take the message that he's given us, the good news about Jesus, to people all over the world, making his mission your life, living for a higher loyalty. If this is your desire tonight, would you stand where you are as we pray? We're saying, Jesus... That heart song that we talked about this morning, you want that, and I, I want to say, Lord, I want to I make myself available. doesn't mean that we will experience miracles every day, but the reality is we don't always see the miracles. There really are miracles all the time. 
And it's not about that, but it's about making yourself available and connecting with people to share with them the good news about Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we are here because we are desiring a closer walk with you. Lord, I know that <clears throat> there have been too many moments that I have wasted where I have not made myself available, where it was more comfortable to put in the headphones and scroll through Facebook instead of reaching out to the person sitting next to me. Lord, I pray that you will please forgive us for our lack of um, willingness. Cleanse our hearts from the selfishness that we so often let rule our lives. We pray that you will remind us to spend the time with the cross every day. To be filled with your love, driven by your love. And a higher loyalty. Because we know we are prophetically called to share that beautiful message of Jesus with the world. So now we stand here, Lord, as we've made a decision tonight to say, Lord, we want to make ourselves available right now. Maybe even tonight, maybe even now in this room, there is someone we need to connect with. Maybe on our way home, maybe tomorrow, maybe when we go back to work. Just make us individuals who are so in tune with you, so in tune with your frequency, the frequency of heaven, that we will hear the Spirit when he tells us where to go, who to talk to, who to run to, who to come close to. Lord, you are allowed to interrupt our agendas from now on. And if that means that we will maybe make less money, that's fine. If that means that we will maybe miss out on some kind of experience that we were looking forward to, that's okay too. We'd rather spend time with you and with people that need you. So Lord, we pray that from now on our lives will completely change and that when we come together in heaven, that there will be a multitude of people that you have been able to reach just because we've made ourselves available and let your spirit work through us. So we commit ourselves now to you and our lives, all of our plans, and we praise you and thank you that you've promised that you will glorify yourself in our lives. This we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.